Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. I just wanted to say a, a little bit about why, why this fascinates me, this subject of purification. So purification is one of the three pillars, one of the three major um, um, pillars of Tibetan or Tantric Buddhism. So purification, accumulation, and meditation, these are known as the three sort of pillars. And we, we all know about meditation. Hopefully, many of you said that you meditate, and you know, that's our, the image that we have of, of meditation. Uh, but in the West, these other two, purification and particularly accumulation, um, don't really get uh, such big airplay, as it were. Uh, purification is what we're going to be talking about very briefly. Uh, accumulation basically means doing good things accumulating positive merit. So in, in Asian countries, this is enormously important. You know, you know, many people don't meditate at all, but they will go and donate food to the monasteries or cook for people. Or you know, There's a great sense that doing good deeds is beneficial for one's uh, existence. And there was an interesting talk by... Um, I'm going to get her name wrong now. Jetson Kandro. You know, this amazing, amazing Tibetan woman yeah. from the Min, Mindraling um, Monastery. Um, she's, the, I think, the only fully ordained or fully trained Tibetan woman teacher because many of the women, the nuns, are not allowed to do the full shedra, not allowed to do the full training. And she gives, she's a very powerful woman. She's amazing. You should definitely look her up if you don't know her. And um, she gives this great talk about um, she has a centre in um, Crestone, which is where my teacher Reggie also has a centre. But and it's this incredible valley in Colorado that is um, used to be owned by the military, and then they they sold it, and it was bought up by this philanthropist, and parcelled out to spiritual groups. So it went from being this military base to being this kind of like a smorgasbord of, of monasteries and ashrams and Christian contemplative centres and. There's all sorts of, of things going in there, going on there. And uh, she, she was saying that the locals, the actual Coloradans who live there, they, they can always tell the Buddhists because they don't give anything. They don't do any charitable work. <laughs> you know, the Christians are always like doing, you know, raising money and doing things. And the, you know, the Hindus are always feeding everyone. And the Buddhists are just like, no, no, we're meditating. <laughs> and there's this this sense that you know well I mean meditation is like that's the, the word, that's the thing that's important but you know I'm too busy to actually cook for anybody or do anything and, and so there's there's something I think quite interesting about the way that the West has um, cherry picked aspects of of Eastern uh, philosophy and kind of dropped just let fall away some of the other things and what's lovely about this center is that you you do feed people and you do do all this wonderful integrated work um, so your accumulate you know that's the accumulation part is actually um, as we were saying in the cars actually just to love people is really the kind of essence of it and then meditation, you know, this is the bit that we've all been practicing, you know, being mindful, vipassana, and being insightful about what's going on in our mind and the nature of mind. But the central pillar of purification, is that right? It gets a bit short shrift. Is that, is that, would that be accurate? 
I feel like certainly in the contemporary way that we think about meditation, nobody really talks about it. And that, that might be because it smacks a bit of, you know, if you don't really get into it, it smacks a bit of Catholic confession. And it's like, oh, you know, I've done terrible things. I've slept with my brother-in-law. And I sort of go into the confessional and the priest says, you know, 12, 12 our fathers and a Hail Mary and you're, you're clear. And there is something of that in the purification. There's definitely a sense of commit, uh, confessing and being forgiven. But um, my experience of it has been very revelatory. It's kind of really um, uh, been very interesting on all sorts of levels. Largely because I'm a psychotherapist. I work as a psychotherapist. I also teach meditation. So, um, and I also work in broadcast. So I have a sort of mixed bag of um, professions. Um, and this idea of clearing the slate seems very radical. And it's made me think a great deal about what that actually means. What does it mean to purify yourself as a human being? For most of us, um, in, particularly in the West, <coughs> particularly in this sort of you know, Christian, uh, Abrahamic you know, world view, is there's this sense that we've done something wrong. You know, there's this sort of fundamental hangover from original sin is that human beings, you know, I'm just not right. There's something not right about me. Everyone else seems to have got it together, but like really deep down, I don't think I've got it. And that's, that, that births a sense of guilt. You know, we do something wrong, and then there's this sense of like, oh, that just confirms the fact that I'm not a very good person. Um, and most people, I think, are pretty decent. And yet there is this, you know, I work as a psychotherapist and almost all of my work is with people, you know, when it comes down to it, they, they don't like themselves. They don't like themselves, fundamentally. And this is kind of tragic. And it's particularly tragic from the tantric Buddhist point of view. So I came to Buddhism when I turned 30, and I plunged myself very much into what's known as the Theravada. So the Theravada is the early school of, of Buddhist um, teaching based around the Pali Canon. And uh, they have a very different, actually a different way of thinking about this whole issue of purification. They see that our suffering is caused by um, our greed, anger and our delusion and that if we can stop being angry stop being deluded and stop being greedy then all the kind of structures that sort of um, hold us in place will dissolve and we we'll get to the state of nibbana, nibbana. and so the, the imagery in, in that canon is all about cooling cooling like the fires of anger the fires of greed the fires of envy the fires of jealousy they're burning you up burning 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 there's a famous sermon by the Buddha, the fire sermon, it's like all the senses are burning. And the, and the imagery of Nibbana really means the, the kind of unraveling or the cooling. So it's this sense of cooling everything down and recognizing this, this state of Nibbana, which in the, you know, this is debatable, but in these, these early schools, in the Theravadan schools, this is sent, seen as an alternative to the suffering of being a human being. So we escape, it's a kind of escape from the pain of being human. We go into this state of Nibbana. <clears throat> and I really threw myself into this when I, <laughs> I was like, right, 
Okay, so I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up all the things that I've been doing. Give up drinking. Give up drugs. I'm going to give up sex. I'm going to like only drink herbal tea. I'm going to do yoga. You know, it was like. <laughs> Um, and so I was very much, I understood purification as giving up, giving things up. And that, that it's sort of, it's, I think it's a misunderstanding of those teachings, but anyway, that's how I saw it. You know, there's something wrong with me, I need to get rid of all the toxins and, and then I'll be fine. And that made me really unbearable to be around. <laughs> and every, everybody, all my friends were like, you've, you know, you've got to stop. This is awful. You're turning, <laughs> turning to this Puritan sort of crazy kind of fanatic. Um, and because I was muddling Puritanism with purity. Because I've always had this, you know, in the English Civil War, I always like... I was a roundhead, not a cavalier. You know, I was much more interested in like Cromwell than the king. So my sympathies have always been with the kind of more austere, stripped-down um, side. So that was where I was. I was in this very puritanical, which is very unpleasant to be around, and it's a complete misreading of the Buddhist teaching in many ways. Um, but that's what that's where I was, age thirty-five. And then I went to Brazil and I drank ayahuasca, which is a very potent uh, shamanic hallucinogen. And this completely blew open my mind. Uh, and I realized that the joy and bliss of being alive and the joy and bliss of the universe um, was the point. And that all this kind of giving up and negation and like puritanical puritanism was actually just more suffering. And, you know, the Buddha himself uh, discovered this, you know, in the eight years that he was, is it eight years or five years? I can't remember. And since he left the palace until he got enlightened, he spent many years doing these very extreme ascetic practices where he was starving himself and, like, you know, going down to a skeleton. And he realized that this was not the path. This was not the, the, the way towards liberation. So this experience, this shamanic experience in, in Brazil was very, very life-changing. And it threw me back um, to the Buddhist path of, of Tantra, which is, a, a, if you like, a later development of Buddhist um, thinking. Although some people say that the Buddha delivered all these teachings sort of in like time-delayed waves through history. Um, but Tantra essentially grows out of a, a great flowering of, of thinking and philosophy in India and uh, flowed into Mahayana Buddhism and then that went up into Tibet and kind of in the little sort of strange fortress of Tibet it kind of kept going while everything else disappeared. It disappeared in India, disappeared in most of other places in Asia um, but it stayed alive in Tibet. And Tantra is... It's really the reverse of my understanding of, of, of um, you know, purification in the sense that um, the things, the, you know, the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll, and my me, these are not the problem. It's not giving things up. It's about changing the perspective. So, you know, for example, there's a tub of ice cream I love ice cream. There's a tub of ice cream and then there's me. So I look at the ice cream and I like, oh, I don't want to eat that ice cream and I want to eat it all. And 
previously there would have been this whole storyline around like, you know, oh, I'm eating the ice cream, I'm so greedy, and this is like, oh God, I shouldn't be eating this when it's so delicious, and it's going to make me ill, and it's my mother's fault because she loved ice cream too, and there's this whole thing. And, you know, and it could also go the other way, where like, now I'm going to throw the ice cream away. And like, I'm so good, I'm so virtuous. And I can do... So either way, whether I eat the ice cream or I don't eat the ice cream, there's still this huge kind of like proliferation of like, oh, this is a problem, I shouldn't be doing this, or I'm really good, or I'm really bad. Um, and the tantric way is to just clear all of that shrubbery, all of that overgrowth, and you're just left with the ice cream, the spoon, and the eater. And that you eat it, and it's delicious, or it's not very delicious, and then it's done. In some ways, the whole superstructure of like me, and my story, and my history, and my family, and my problems, and the kind of, oh, bad ice cream, and carcinogenic, and oh, da, 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 it just goes. And, and uh, experience is just simplified. It's this great simplification of everything. You know, they say in, in Tantra that experiences de deliver themselves just as they are complete. They deliver themselves, they flourish, and then they, they disappear back into the you know, emptiness, what they call emptiness. So, so that life is kind of happening, but it doesn't have to be a big drama. And this, in some ways, is the first, as, as I understand it, the first level of simplification or purification, is that we... We drop the storyline, we drop the heavy storyline that makes everything so complicated and difficult and, and um, distressing. Thank you for listening and please do join us again for more podcasts from MindSprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.